Hello and welcome to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Liu, and today, Alex is still sick. It's all good, Alex. Get well soon. Hopefully, this doesn't interrupt your uh, holiday plans, which are probably to see your dad for like three, four days straight as you guys probably play golf and... Uh, I don't know, do car stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the meantime, we have Big V in the studio. The World Cup is over, which means we can finally get you back. <laughs> What's going on, V? How you doing, man? Nothing much. A little bit of World Cup withdrawal. Um, a lot of it. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you, man. I think about the World Cup every day. It was so good. But the crazy part is EPL, everything is going to be right back. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so it's not like we're going to miss much soccer, but it was nice to see a Raptors win. That kind of helps with the withdrawals. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to say, um, the drop-off from going to see, like, Messi to, like, seeing, like, Malachi was was a little stark at times, despite how well Malachi was playing. You know, I just think Messi proved himself as the GOAT, and I know that uh, Derek is in the back just just fuming at this conversation right now. I know he's, uh, it's it's over for him in the debates, unfortunately. It's mm. over. Um, you know, I think I think Seven's just going to have to be number two on this one. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the uh, Toronto Raptors, who finally got a win last night. I mean, I don't remember ever feeling that good after I went over the Knicks. I remember DeMar hit a game winner against the Knicks one time, and he was kind of skipping and all that kind of stuff. That was great. That was my previously, um, you know, high moment against the Knicks. I know the Raptors beat the Knicks back before I started watching the Raptors and, and in the playoffs, and there was all that. But what Pascal Siakam did last night, the dominance, the – uh, the intensity from start to finish, the fact that he finished with 52 points in the garden. Big V, talk to me about Pascal Siakam. Bing bong! <laughs> that's, what he, that's what Pascal was yeah, saying. That, that is what he was saying. But, I mean, he was just so comfortable getting to wherever he wanted yeah. against whoever he wanted. Yeah. Like, when I went back and watched that third quarter run where he scored 17 straight points, literally... They had Mitchell Robinson on him, Julius Randle on him, mm. Jalen Brunson on him. Okay, that's a mismatch. RJ Barrett. That's a mismatch. Jericho Sims. That's a mismatch. <laughs> and none of it worked, right? Like Tom Thibodeau was like, someone, please, anyone. <laughs> and Pascal was just like, bucket, bucket, bucket. Yep. Yep. And and look, I, I think what Pascal too, it was just like, it's the determination. I mean, he got to the free throw line 18 times. Yeah. I don't remember another Raptor getting to the free throw line 18 times, like, ever. I mean, I really have to look through some of the databases to see if that's happened before. But, you know, I saw a lot of Knicks fans complaining. To me, I'm just like, first off, the refereeing was pretty even. Yeah. Until intentional fouling, which gave the Raptors an extra two free throws because the Knicks wanted to extend the game. You take those two out, the Raptors had 20 free throws. The Knicks had 18 free throws. I don't see any real reason to complain. It's not like the Raptors are getting calls across the board. I just saw the Knicks unable to guard Pascal Siakam. You know, it's funny because um, the last two games now, he's got 90 points. Um, Both teams in the Sixers and the Knicks have been playing good defense of late, too. They both have pretty good rim protection when you really think about it. And obviously, Pascal's primary way of scoring is in the paint. Why is it that he's been so effective despite that? For me, it's because he's knocking down the mid-range jumper. It's like face up game is is just yeah, that's the one thing that opposing teams have been willing to give up. And now it's like, oh, okay, he's knocking that down too. I gotta push up on him a bit more. 
Okay, mm-hmm. well, now you're going to push up. Now he's going to go right past you. And that's when the help comes, the defense collapses. Sometimes he's able to get all the way to the bucket. If not, he's able to kick it out for an open shot. Uh, whether they're being knocked down or not is, is a different matter. But, I mean, if we're being real now, Pascal's at about seven assists a game for the season. Yep. Like, if guys were shooting the way, especially the top guys mm-hmm. that, yep. that you usually expect to shoot better from outside, he'd be closer to eight, eight and a half assists. Yep. And this is looking, you know, even more of a special season than it already is. But I think last night, it it's kind of funny because you think about, you know, the 36 he had against Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and they lost. The 36 he had against Orlando, lost. Yep. 38 against Philly the other night, yep. lost. And he was like, all right, well, that's not enough. <laughs> Instead of being discouraged and being like, oh, my God, what do I have to do? It's like, okay, fine. That wasn't enough. I'll go drop 50. Yeah. You know, and I I love that. I love that you said that too, because it's like with Pascal, one of the things with him this year, you could notice it even just in him talking in the the media scrums and stuff like that. There's an air of positivity about him. There's a confidence about him. He feels like a guy to me who has gone through a lot of struggles in life. And we can cover those on core, off core stuff that was out of bounds, stuff that was in bounds, but whatever, right? Ultimately, he went through a ton, and you, the product you see on the floor today is a guy who has gone through that, has a clarity about it, and as he is fond of saying, he's literally just here to hoop, right? He's just <laughs> here to hoop. It, it doesn't matter. Like, if the circumstances are, are against him, it doesn't matter. If, like, he's out there at the start of the, the second quarter, and it's him, Malachi, Thad, Christian Coloco, and Chris Boucher, it doesn't matter, Right? What did, what, did, what did KD say in, in, in that quote about Edmund and Sumner and his teammates? He's like, you know, the reason you expect my team to win is because I'm out there. That's exactly what Pascal's saying. You know what? Those guys aren't really guys on my level, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to yeah. make sure that I can carry them. And I thought that start of the second quarter there was a statement of intent from Pascal where it was like, yeah, I'm out here with the bench unit. I have to carry these guys. They're probably not going to score much for me, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to get to my spots. I'm still going to find Malachi for three when he's open. I'm still going to find guys on cuts on whatever if they're available. But mostly, I'm going to have to carry this group. And he just showed that determination that you want to see from him. Listen, the Raptors are in a rough spot. It's going to take something truly, truly special to pull them out of it. And that's what Pascal was 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 hell-bent on delivering. I mean, nine points in the first, 17 in the second, 17 in the third, nine in the fourth. And, of course, to, you know, the extra buckets at the end there to uh, to get to 50-plus. That was mm. that was, that was was important accounting, too, because, you know, it was strange. I, I didn't think that Pascal got the ball enough in the fourth quarter. I don't know about you. No, he didn't. He only he didn't. got the ball twice. Yeah. Yeah. And why? <laughs> why? No, but actually, why? <laughs> no, it was, it was just strange to see, right? I mean, the Raptors were being very slow in getting to their sets, and then all of a sudden you look up and there's five on the clock, and whoever's got the ball has got to get a, get a shot up, right? We, we saw... Um, you know, there's definitely that one possession where uh, Fred gets into a double team but still kind of forces up the shot. That's something that you don't want to see. Um, <clears throat> and then late clock, you know, there's a corner three, uh, Wancho, I believe. Mm. Um, and so you're just getting forced into a lot of late clock scenarios trying to run your stuff, and that, that's got to just be a lot cleaner. Yeah. Um, but what I loved about Pascal's motivation in this game was that it was all about making this team feel better about themselves. Like when he spoke after the game, this is what he said. Wanting to get a win and make sure we get back on the right track. Those guys out there are special. 
And I just feel like everyone needed that moment, everyone being happy for each other. We haven't had that opportunity for a little bit, so it felt good. Yeah. So it's about the team. It's about yeah. the group, you know? This isn't even, you know, Man. hey, look at me. I dropped 50 at MSG. Yeah. Only superstars do that. Bro, right? the list is literally like <laughs> like genuinely all superstars. Yeah. Yeah, and then Rip Hamilton randomly did a win. <laughs> but, I mean, listen, Rip was a champion. No, no slander to Rip Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he is sort of this beacon of light for the team, and everyone is really rallying around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a moment for them to take that inspiration and really bring it to the court consistently, yeah. right? Yeah. When you look at who has been the most consistent this season, it's been Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, yep. right? And now it's really time for the rest of the guys to get in line. Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet, everyone down the line, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, Precious Achua comes back healthy. He would be a... Pretty big piece. A lot of these games, I really missed them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, they can cobble something together. At, at the end of the day, the weaknesses of this roster have been exposed and help is needed. Mm-hmm. But for right now, that attitude that you mentioned about Pascal, looking at what's on the court and saying, hey, doesn't matter. We got to find a way. All his teammates need to be saying that right yeah, no, I totally agree with you, man. I think that's that's what you want to see from your leader too. Is that 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 setting that example? Listen, I, obviously, not every game's gonna go your way, but you can never disengage from the game, right? You got to bring what you have to the game. What I really liked in last night's game, I love seeing Malachi with his contributions, right? I mean, Malachi went from DMPs to now closing out games night after yep. night, and he's out there blocking Emmanuel quickly on a very very tough shot. Uh, with the game, like still in the balance, right? It's a four-point game with one minute left. You jump up to block a three-point shooter. You mistime that at all, mm. and you foul him, and you put him on a three-point line, you change the game entirely. You swing the whole momentum. Instead, Malika comes up with a clutch block. He's giving you what he can. Wancho's giving you what he can, right, with all the extra cutting. I mean, Nick Nurse started the game in a box and one. It was a box and one with Wancho. <laughs> That's the one. I'm sorry. I've already used that joke once, but it, it is quite good in, in my opinion. Um you know, but he's giving you his, his hustle plays. Thad Young's giving his hustle plays. He's the oldest player on the court. He's giving you three offensive rebounds, and he's tapping, you know, the extra possessions out. He's making extra plays. Christian Coloco goes from a DMP, comes in, doesn't play the second half either, but first half when he did play, did a good job of shutting off the paint, allowing for the Raptors to get out uh, on the break, and then Pascal was able to carry the scoring for that second group. I just need everyone to come in and just, like, deliver what they can. Right now, they're in a tough moment, but kind of follow on that lead. You have a guy like Pascal who's clearly trying to lead you, see how you can sort of follow in his steps. And I thought, you know what? I want to have this conversation with you too. What did you make of Nick Nurse's coaching decisions last night? Because Nick has caught a ton of flack of late, as any coach would when their team starts to lose, right? Obviously, the expectations are, are, are for this team to perform better. They're, they're, it's players are more talented than what they're showing, and we instinctively blame the coach. What did you make of Nick Nurse's coaching decisions last night? Because I thought he, he did a really great job. Yeah, he did a really good job. Um, I thought, you know, even even coming out with the box and one right out the gate, mm-hmm. saying very hey, innovative. Yeah, and you know, you're sort of putting that challenge to the players and saying, hey, we're gonna do something different right off, right out of the gate, mm-hmm. right? And so get out of your comfort zone, wherever that might be, and you know, you're gonna have to be really in tune to start this game. And we saw that, and I think. If you are going to criticize uh, and nitpick a little bit, 
it's probably, you know, the third quarter, the way the Knicks got back into it. Mm. Um, maybe there's a timeout that you can take earlier. Maybe there's changes that you make earlier. Uh, the fourth, uh, there was that stretch where, you know, obviously OG needed a bit of a breather. And, yep. and that's why he comes out. Uh, but maybe on this night, Scotty Barnes was not the guy. Yeah. And well, I mean, I, I think in terms of the big picture coaching, because that's that's more of a micro decision, right? Right. But big picture coaching, of course, you give him a chance yeah. to redeem himself. Yeah. Because he's still one of your best players. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Got to give him that chance. But, of course, you got to come in and deliver on that chance, right? The yeah. Next box out. Exactly. On Randall, yeah. the, 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 the really bad close out against quickly to knock down a three. Like, that turned it from a three-possession game to a one-possession game. Yeah. And so those are the things that you would nitpick at w- within the game. Mm-hmm. But big picture, I think... On a night like this, you you got to recognize that Pascal's got it, and so you ride that. Um, and then those plug-and-play options, it's like, hey, where can I get what I need? You yep. mentioned Malachi coming in, giving you what you need for a little bit. Coloco coming in, giving you what you need for a little bit. Uh, you know, Juancho, his hustle, um, his smarts, his ability to... Uh, you know, stay even keeled within plays. There was one play that I found really impressive where Pascal had the ball at the top and uh, Wancho's man had helped off. Mm-hmm. And there was twice where Wancho really wanted the ball for a catch and shoot. Yep. And Pascal didn't pass it to him. Mm-hmm. And Wancho is not just like, oh, okay, I didn't get the ball. Pascal creates a bit of room for himself, goes up for a shot, contested shot, Wancho is not just like, okay, well, this is what you're going to do. I'm just going to, you know, maybe go back on defense, whatever. He races to the rim. It's an air ball, saves it, um, and then Coloco misses the putback. But that is just being a pro. Yeah. That's a mentality right there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that other players should be looking at and saying, no matter what, there's a way for me to impact the game. Mm -hmm. Right? When people talk about, oh, it's not just scoring, right? Again, it's it's not just about getting a shot. Mm-hmm. It's like you can go get it off the glass. You can go set a screen for someone. You can do whatever, yeah. right? And find a way to impact the game. So I, I think finding the best moments for all those other guys to contribute is probably uh, the biggest positive that came out of that game for Nick Nurse. Yeah, and, and, and to that point, um, I think it's also sometimes about finding a way to allow some of those players with some pretty big shortcomings finding ways to work with them so that you limit those shortcomings and you highlight their strengths, right? And I thought last night, Nick Nurse using his own coverage for significant portions of the game, but especially when the bench was on, was excellent. Because look, the bench was not trotting out their great defenders, right? It was, you know what, Thad Young, he's he's older, right? Malachi, he's really small, right? And, you know, Christian, who knows? He, sometimes he's obviously very foul prone, but generally when he's not fouling, he actually is a pretty decent defender, but, you know, to make that group work, you know, Wancho's in that group. He's not the quickest guy either. How do you sort of hide that shortcoming while also then getting the positives from those other things that you're mentioning? And zone was the answer. Yeah. Right? I thought he, he, Nick did a great job of sort of, like, finding something that worked. To be honest, I think in, to the point with Malachi, he hasn't been playing a lot, and now he's playing a ton. Um, to me, I thought yesterday was just a good matchup for him in terms of the fact that the Knicks do play three small guards in the rotation. Yep. I think even four. I guess Derrick Rose is out there. McBride was out there. Quickly was out there. And then Brunson. Yep. So you had lots of matchups for Malachi to guard. But do you feel like he could still play this level of minutes or still come in and give you this level of production even if they 
don't have small guards on the floor? And is zone a part of the, the answer to that? Zone is definitely a, a, a part of that in terms of just hiding the weaknesses. Okay. Uh, but I think if Malachi can get minutes against Philly, I, I don't see why that can't be the fa- case uh, in other matchups, right? Mm-hmm. Like even that Philly matchup, uh, Tyrese Maxey wasn't there. Right. right? Okay. Um, so uh, I think uh, the way he's playing, absolutely, there's a case to be made for him to just continue to get consistent minutes. The complete freedom with with which he's shooting the ball. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really big thing for me right now when you look across this team uh, and their comf- comfort shooting the ball. Malachi is someone that right now you would put near the top of the list and say, oh, yeah. hey, he is someone that is ready to get the shot up every single time. And the way he's shooting the ball this season, he shot it very well. That is something you have to keep in the lineup. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing too. Or in the I mean, rotation rather. Low key, when you look at the stat sheet, the only guy who's shooting above average from three this season on the Raptors is Malachi Flynn. Yep. And I think that this is a big difference for him. And it's a big step in his career if he's able to maintain this. Because obviously we're talking about a week here, right? But this is the first big chance that he's had since the tanking portion of Tampa where he's given consistent minutes to play in close games, um, in games that really matter. Now we'll see when the injuries start to sort of subside a little bit if he's still going to get those same chances. But still, he is getting this chance to play. And before, I, I always thought when he came into the game, he was a little more hesitant. The jumper wasn't falling to the same rate that it was this year. But it's clear to me that he's put in the effort and the work to stay ready when he comes in off the bench. You never heard, you, I've never heard Malachi complain once, you know, in three years yeah. here. And it's not like he's been getting tons of chances. If anything, he's been called out more times than he's been actually given chances. And now when he's given this chance, he's actually playing well. So salute to him. I just think that um, it takes guys like that to sort of come in and just be totally committed to the win to get results done. And then, of course, I think the bigger thing, too, is not a huge coincidence and not a surprise at all. OJ, I know, be coming back the last two games. Raptors holding opponents to a reasonable amount where they can actually compete so that Pascal's brilliance can sort of carry them over the line. What did you think of OJ Anobi's defense? Yeah, just amazing, right? Like when you pair the Philly game with this game, you look at the possessions where he's defending Joel Embiid, defending James Harden. Here he's getting possessions going up against Julius Randle, going up against RJ Barrett. Um, And so I think that package is something that very few people in the league can offer. Mm. Uh, And uh, it's a huge boon to uh, the Raptors. It's a huge boon to Pascal Siakam because let's face it, when... Uh, say, for example, they, they go up against Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Pascal not only has to carry the offensive load, yep. he's got to defend Kevin Durant. Yep. Right? And, and who, who's, honestly, who's able to do both of those <laughs> in the league? Like, honestly, yeah, right? Yeah. So you've alleviated the load on Pascal when you look at the two-way commitment that he has to make. Uh, and now OG Ananobi, um, the three-point shot looked good against Philly. Not so much in this one, but... Uh, again, that consistency with the defense is there, mm-hmm. and it just increases the margin for error, which has been razor thin for the Raptors. Yeah, no, exactly. And and look, those are things where there's points where across the board, the guys are going to need to get more consistent. you know, And that includes guys like Pascal as well, and guys like Fred and, and the leaders of the team and OG as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think that having him back, you just miss him in all the moments where it's like he's got a jump ball against Mitchell Robinson who's seven foot tall, if yep. not taller than that, and a pretty good jumper, and OG wins the loose ball. 
You know? Yeah. Like, that's a huge possession that he's just won for you. Or, like, he's, like, pressuring the inbounder, and he's 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 got his hand up, and so they got to throw the pass over the top, and they airmail the pass. It goes out, and of, it goes bounds. out of bounds. Those, those are not stats that go up in his stat sheet, but those are huge possessions won for you. And, of course, the big play at the end where he blocks uh, RJ, and the Raptors go the other way. Pascal pushes the break to Fred for three. Finally, Fred makes a clutch three. We know he can do that, but he just hasn't done it this yeah. season. I don't remember another clutch three from Fred this year. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's your big threes with, uh, you know, combining together. And the funny thing with OG is someone might look at the box score and be like, oh, he didn't have a steal in this game. Yeah. But you actually look at some of the deflections and the plays that he had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that they didn't translate into steals, but he was mucking up the Knicks offense, yeah. right? And yeah. he was still... Very much a, applying ball pressure, knocking the ball out. Okay, yeah, sure, the Knicks may have recovered it, but all of a sudden now you're have, having to restart from near the half-court line, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. All of those things uh, are part of what the Raptors want to do at their best defensively, and he is a central figure in that. Yeah. Um, Fred Van Vliet. I would say, well, okay, first off, what would you grade his game from last night? He had 28, shot, uh, 28 points on 24 shots. What Only one fewer shot than Pascal, by the way. <laughs> I know Pascal took 18 free throws, so whatever. He obviously used more attempts, but still, that's uh, strange. But anyway, 28 points on 24 shots. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I'll probably give him, like, a B-. minus. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think he was solid. Uh, I think he provided just enough that was needed to make sure Pascal's night didn't go wasted again. Yep, uh, yep. That three was huge Massive. to put them up for. Um, but there's still, it feels a bit, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but over the course of the season, obviously it started out with Fred s- saying, okay, I'll take a back seat. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. No, you're right. You're right. It's true. We'll see, you know, how the offense kind of who, takes the ascendancy between Scotty, OG, obviously Pascal's at the top. And, uh, you know, what was it, 12 points a game that he was averaging, you know, re- really low usage. And his Just to interrupt, his first three games, he took 11 shots, 9 shots, and 11 shots. Yeah, exactly. So right? that's 31 shots in three games in a whole week. He had 24 last night. Yeah. Keep going. yeah. Yeah, and so that's how he started out. Then he got hurt. Then he came back and it's like, you know what, I'm at my best when I'm aggressive. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to be aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, he he came back and he he had some really high scoring outputs. Right, um, was really Chicago. effective. Yeah, when yeah. Pascal was out. Yeah, yeah, and then you know he struggled with the three ball. I, I believe he's at about twenty six percent shooting the three in December, and so he struggled with that big time, which takes away a lot from his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's sort of trying to find himself and. He's at that point, like last night was one where he was just saying, okay, I just got to shoot my way out of it. And I think he also <laughs> liked the matchup too, just like how Malachi liked the matchup with small guards. Yeah. Fred saw guys he could actually look eye to eye with for once, and he's like, it's time for me to dominate. So the most yeah. the most exciting part of that was that he was taking people off the bounce, right? That he was getting sure. all yeah, the way to the exactly. basket, especially yeah. early, like really asserting himself, getting layup after layup, um, and just creating that kind of rim pressure that the Raptors really, in general, lack. Yeah. Right. That was the most encouraging thing. So that is something you we were talking about Malachi against small guards in general. Fred, this was a great situation for him going up against small guards. I don't know how often we'll see that ability to attack off the bounce, Mm -hmm. but it being presented to him and him taking advantage of it is definitely a big plus. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree with you. I think um, he was aggressive, which is what you did need from him because as good as Pascal, even if Pascal scores 50-plus, he still needs a running mate, right? So I think Fred did that for him. However, my, my thing with it was just like in the fourth quarter, and I understand Fred had to play the whole quarter. Um, he was on the floor. Him and OG in that two-man game was like the the whole offense while, while Pascal sat, which is exactly what you want to see, honestly, yeah. right? Um, but Fred took nine shots in the fourth quarter. Yeah, And some of those were good shots, like the transition three, and not just because he made it, but that's just a good shot. I want him taking that shot every single time. Pascal's going to find him every single time for that kind of look. It's absolutely the right play, right? He made another shot earlier as well. But it's just some of those attempts, you know, like I think it was a pull-up three off a drop coverage. Again, another shot you want to see Fred take. But the drives where he's hitting the underside of the rim or the pull-up threes where it's an air ball and it's just like in a fourth quarter, like you just want to see – Aggression is good, but I think in the fourth quarter, especially like discretion is even better, Mm -hmm. you know? And so maybe you look at some of those attempts and cut back on those. It didn't hurt them last night. It really didn't. But I think on a different night, you do want to see that come around. I think for me, looking at Fred, the biggest thing I'm looking for every single night in the box score is what did he shoot from three? Was it close to 40% or is it close to 20%? Right. Right. Because if it, if it's 40 for the Raptors, that's pretty good. That's all you really need from Fred. It, the, the driving and all that stuff, that's almost secondary to me. What I need to see is the catch-and-shoot threes drop for him because that's what the team needs. Catch-and-shoot three for him, making those is like the need for Christian Coloco to finish a dunk around the basket off a dump-off, right? That's Fred's version of a dump-off. He needs to knock those down. We've seen him knock down at an elite level last year. He's just got to get back to that. And if he does, there's no problem. It's like if he did that, we'd be talking about a two-game win streak because Philly, they would have won against Philly. Yeah, right. no so, question. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think B's like roughly right. You know, I think defensively he was he was he was disruptive as well. So yeah, you gotta give him credit there. Obviously, you, you don't ever question his effort on that front. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 relative to like I'm grading relative to what we know Fred is at his absolute best. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right. Yeah, uh, and you know when when I say that three point shot is so important to him, it's because of what it opens up in terms of his drive game. Right. Like, yeah, you when you think about what was basically a pivot point in his career after the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. Right. What was really impressive was he could have just rested on his laurels because of the way the conference finals went and the way the NBA finals went. But he saw how he struggled against Orlando's length, against Philadelphia's length after that mm-hmm. and said, hey, this is something I need to address. Yeah. And so he actually expanded his range. Like before, he would take threes like pretty close to the three-point line. Then we saw him come back in 2019-20, and we were starting to see him get closer to the logo, Mm -hmm. right? And then when he knocked those down consistently enough, you saw defenders have to shift, right? And, And so that vertical spacing now increased, and now he had more of a runway to the basket. Yeah, right, and yeah. it was opening up so many more things for him. And without that shot, I think it just takes away not only the obvious like catch and shoot and just pull up threes that he's taking, but also that ability to manipulate within the arc. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, um, we're gonna take a quick break right here. I've been your host Willu. That's Vivek Jacob. You're listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers sportsbook award-winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connect Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Luke. Maybe joined by Vivek Jacob and uh, producer Derek Brandeo as we continue to discuss the future of seven. No, I'm kidding. And the only future I'm trying to think about is uh, what's happening with the Toronto Raptors and, and just honestly, how can they continue to build off of that nice win, right? It's been so, um, honestly, a little depressing being in the studio all the time, just being like, hey, this is wrong. This is wrong. We could move this guy for this pick or whatever. It's like, ooh, OG can go for a lot. Let's, you know, maybe consider it. I'm like, look, that's all cute, but I want to see you wins. Ultimately, that's just where I am as a Raptor fan. My only agenda is just like, let's see the team win and how can they contribute to it. Yep. And so, you know what? Even after a game like that, because it wasn't like the Raptors played perfectly. If, if they did, they wouldn't have needed that many points from Pascal. He would have chilled in the fourth quarter. Yep. That game was still close and there were some mistakes made. And I think for me, looking at the game, it was just, I guess I wasn't too surprised because we've seen it before, but... I was confused by what Scotty Barnes was doing. My big takeaway was just focus. The focus wasn't there from the start, and it wasn't there in the fourth quarter when Nick put him in for those two minutes and he made those defensive errors. What was your take on how Scotty Barnes played last night? And how do you even explain it? I know you wrote a whole piece about this. so Yeah. Know. I mean, I, I think from the focus part of it, for me, it's become a bit of a barometer in his level of engagement when you see him get the ball in the paint yep and he's not even thinking about the basket okay like against philly in this game against the knicks there were multiple occasions where he gets the ball and you know you think about that those misses early on right where he got he got the ball and first thing he was just looking to kick it back out and it was like you're right under the basket yeah and then he realized it yeah. And then he missed like three layups in a row. Yeah, but, okay. But I think it's just having that aggressiveness, that mindset that, hey, this is where I do my damage, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And I think the encouraging signs that we saw a little while ago where he had a good four or five game stretch where I did put out that story, right? It was, for me, he was going back to being the player he kind of was last season. Mm-hmm. and focusing on what made him special last season, right? And really, you know, getting it off the glass, incessantly attacking the paint and, you know, pushing in transition off of rebounds. Those are the things that we associated with Scotty Barnes last year. Um, and this year, he's being asked to be a different type of player. He's being given more challenges because of the success he had last season. And there's been some growing pains through that. Yeah. But, again, the... The fluctuations in intensity, that is what mainly I kind of hold him accountable for. 
Yeah. I've said this before on this show. Like, if he has a a bad night shooting the ball or whatever it may be, I don't worry as much about that as mm-hmm. I do the process. Yeah. Right? And there are nights where the process just has not looked good at all for Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I, I just thought yesterday's game was just disappointing in the sense that I, I felt like you saw it right away from the game. Again, we're not here to talk about the 1 of 10 from shooting, and it's not us shielding the rookie or anything like that. Whatever, it happens. You know, like some of those were bad reads going up against Mitchell Robinson. Obviously, he was a really good shot blocker. You know, like stuff like that will happen, or, he, you know, he's open for a catch shoot three, he misses it. Again, that's stuff that's going to happen. You can accept those, right, because at least he's taking the shots. For me, it's like defensively is the focus and the effort there. Raptors played a lot of zone last night, and you saw possessions where he lost Robinson, who's his assignment, for wide-open dunks. The one thing you cannot give up in a zone is a wide-open dunk. You're literally walled off the whole paint. (laughs) So how are you going to lose the largest man in the building for a dunk, right? And this is the first quarter. We're talking about R.J. Barrett's open to the three-point line. He's not committing to the closeout, even though Scotty was on Robinson, but Pascal came over to help. So now it's a switch. You got to go out to the three-point line, close out on RJ. And I made a whole video about this and, and just to highlight the point, because, again, I don't want to make these sort of statements without actual, like, evidence and just, like, just the, the video to sort of explain it. But he's not closing out to RJ, and he's got his – he's slow to close out. The next play, he's guarding Randall in the post. He has his hands down the whole time. And it's like, you know, Randall loves mid-range jumpers. And it's not just like, well, it's good defense to force him to the mid-range jumper. No, it's not a good defense to give a guy his preferred shot, no matter what, right? Yep. And and that's Julius Randle you're talking about right there. So there's possessions like that where, you know, he's got – he's done the hard part, which is to to contain uh, Jalen Brunson off the dribble. Then he forces him towards the baseline. Malika comes over with the help. Now there's a trap. You're trapping him along the baseline, almost in the corner. And instead of just using his positioning and keeping his hands up and trapping Brunson into potentially calling a timeout and potentially throwing a bad pass for a turnover – he instead, Scotty puts two hands on Brunson, and it's a foul, and it bails him out of that whole scenario, right? So things like that where the focus just has to get better from the start of the game, but especially in the fourth quarter when Nick Nurse puts you back into the game, you can't you know, have possessions where you let quickly knock down a wide-open three even though you just misread the situation and ducked into the paint instead of staying at the staying at home in the corner. And then, of course, after that, not boxing out Randall, right? And that's not to say he didn't do good things in this game. Thought either had a really nice pick and roll sequence with Pascal for Bucket. Thought he was able to find Fred Van Vliet rolling to the rim, <laughs> which is super random. You know, a great vision there from Scotty to yeah. find uh, Fred in a very unorthodox position. Um, I thought there were a couple of box outs in the first quarter where he was able to. He was very focused on that, which was good to see because again, like he was yeah. he was guarding against a bigger player. But you just need to see that with more consistency, especially because on the road, the the trends are kind of. Stark right now. Once Scotty's playing at home, 17.7 points per game on 51% shooting, shooting 38% from three. He's giving you eight rebounds and five assists. And the Raptors obviously have a pretty good home record, right? Um, So you're talking about 18, eight, and five. If that was what he was averaging on the season, nobody would be complaining. And especially because if that led to wins. On the road, Scotty Barnes is now averaging 10.9 points per game on 36% shooting from the field, 23% shooting from three, six rebounds, four assists. So the numbers drop across the board, but his points are basically half, and his percentages really drop. What do you think is the point? Like, what do you think is the the reason for such a big difference? 
between home and away for Scotty? Is this just part of being young? What is it? I think that's all you can really chalk it up to because beyond that, it's really inexplicable, right? Yeah. Like when you look at uh, the lack of intensity that he's had of, at times, the lack of focus, you you know, you mentioned his defensive stance. There's several occasions where you look at him and he is flat-footed. Yeah. Like he's standing upright, just not in a defensive stance. Oh, actually, can you explain something to me? Have you seen guys in other, like, other teams, maybe even other leagues, where they fake the charge? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. sometimes it's like, okay, obviously sometimes you just take the charge, yeah. right? When a guy's driving in towards you and you just step in or you slide underneath. Obviously, we've seen every version of this with Kyle Lowry around in the last yeah. couple of years. I haven't seen a guy fake the charge as in the guy is driving it at the three-point line and you're already, like, in the paint doing the charge pose. And I'm just like, what is the like, what is the point? Because you're just taking yourself out of the play almost. And yeah. I don't, it's not like I see it happen and defender is like, they're like, oh, he's going to go for a charge. I'm going to go for a shot. And then Scotty puts his hands up and blocks him. You don't see that, that very often. So I, I just, I, what's the what's the process behind that, you think? Yeah, I, th- I think that's I just haven't seen other guys do that. Just trying to outsmart the opponent. Um, I don't think it's come off. Uh, and so I think that's something that he's just tried. And the other thing I actually genuinely wonder about as someone who won Rookie of the Year, right? How much is he thinking about, I want to show how much I've evolved and changed from last season? Like, oh, people thought I was so great doing that. Like, look at, look at me adding, uh, you know, a three-point shot. Look, at, I want to show that I've added different things, even though it hasn't panned out, mm. right? Like, the three-point shot has kind of fallen off a cliff in October... Six games, shot fifty-two percent. Oh man, that Atlanta game on on, <laughs> on Halloween when he was knocking down all those threes, it was looking amazing. Yeah, yeah. November twenty-six percent, December eleven games so far, twenty-four percent. So the three-point shot hasn't been there, and so you know we we saw him taking a lot of those mid-rangers early. I wonder how much of that was just like, hey, I want to show that I've become a complete player, that I've added all these things to my repertoire, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the mindset of these are things that made me amazing last season. Mm-hmm. I'm going to double down on it and be just flat out unstoppable at those things. Right. That is almost like the, my peak version of Scotty for this season. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to just see him go all in on that being like, hey, you know what? The development hasn't really been there in those other aspects of my game as much as I would like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to double down on these strengths because guess what? With Pascal playing at this level, um, that might be good enough. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good enough last year. Like, that's the yeah. thing, right? It was good enough last year. And I think for me, think, thinking about this with Scotty too, is like, I agree with you. I think obviously there are the, the what you work on and sort of what your expectations were coming into the season versus what is happening right now. I'm sure just like how fans look at Scotty and was like, you know, I'm really excited in you. I see a lot of potential in you. I see a lot of flashes, right? That Brooklyn game in the fourth quarter, wow, yeah. right? right. But at the same time, where is that consistently when people feel a little bit disappointed? I'm sure Scotty feels disappointed as well. The thing for me is just like, no matter what and, and how you're playing, I need the effort and the intensity and the focus to be there defensively at all times. Because yeah. that's what ultimately led Nick to end, end up benching him was because of that, right? You can't come into the game and the coach tells you like, look, you're in the game no matter what your role is offensively, you still need to defend. Yep. And it was disappointing. And these are games where you know Scotty is capable of being a very, very good defensive player. These are not plays that he's not capable of making. 
right? Even sometimes when I look at Fred, I'm like, there are some physical limitations that he just physically can't get to. Right. And, and that's a real limitation that you have to work around. But with Scotty, you don't see that. Instead, you see things like the focus isn't there or the reads are late or the, the, the positioning is poor. Those are things for a younger player to learn how to improve upon those things so that you're on the floor enough that your offense comes around as well. Yeah, and then I think with Scotty, you know, when you look at Vision 6-9 as a whole, mm. you are only as switchable as the positions you can actually guard. Yeah. Right? And I think on the whole, when you look at him defending the point of attack, it has not worked out. Right? And but then why does Nick keep using him there? Because that's what they want him to be. Okay. I, I think so that, that has been I, I think that has been part of what we've seen this season. Okay. Right? Like okay. we've seen Scotty consistently be put in positions that maybe we envision or the team envisions him being one day. And it's like he's just has to get these reps in sure, yeah. to understand it. Right? Like think about last season, right? Those first few months for Precious Achua and how much of a struggle that looked. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like, well, we have a vision of what he can be and he's not going to get there without going through these reps. It's not magically just going to happen one day just because he turns age 25 or 26. Mm -hmm. Like he has to get the reps in. And so I think that's part of what's happening here where they're saying, we see Scotty defending at the point of attack long-term. We see Scotty, you know, being the point guard. We see Scotty doing all these different things. And he's getting those reps at doing it. Now, the consistency of effort is what we've brought up multiple times. And that's yeah. where that engagement level, um, you know, showing guys the right way, communicating on screens, um, making the right rotation, making the right rotation at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are all things that you can hold him accountable to, right? This isn't, and again, we, we talk about the defensive struggles, right? I think most people, including myself, expected the team to hit the ground running defensively this year because you went through the growing pains last year. Exactly. For those two, three months, and then it clicked, and it was like, oh, this is what they can be at their best. They, you know, they they went through those pains and they sorted it out, and mm-hmm. now they know what they have to do. And so that's where you expected the team to hit the ground running this year, and it's like they're starting from scratch all over again. Yep. Yeah. Fair. Um, you want to end on a positive? Pascal Siakam? Okay, yeah. Let's go back to Pascal Siakam. <laughs> I know we already talked about that at the top, but so I was thinking about it, okay? Pascal Siakam this season is averaging 27 points per game, nine rebounds, seven assists, shooting 49% from the field. Mm. Okay. And then I was thinking about it because he continues to go up these record charts for the Raptors at least, right? And, and now he's like the fifth Raptor now to, to have 50-point games, right? It's, it's him, it's DeMar, it's Vince, it's... Fred, and then randomly Terrence Ross, but, you know, shout out Terrence Ross. Okay. Um, how many other top seasons have there been in Raptor, Raptors franchise history that are better than what Pascal Siakam is currently on pace for? And this is the list. I'm going to give you the list, okay? I'll come up with five. Be- yeah. Before you do that, yeah, uh, just quickly about the numbers that you said about Pascal for this season. Yeah. The only players that are averaging 26, 8, and 6 are LeBron James and Luka Doncic. Okay. Good company. <laughs> Pretty Good company. all right. Every, every, everybody around 500, though, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe a little centrism isn't, isn't working. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, sorry, 26 points. Sorry, I, I, can't, I can't give him the 27. Okay, so um, this season, yeah, Pascal, 26-9-7, shooting. The other top seasons from some of the top players of all time in this in this franchise. Um, 2001 Vince Carter, 28 points per game, six rebounds, five assists, shot 46% from the field. Obviously, was knocking down a lot of threes as well. Mm. Uh, the Raptors won 47 games. He made the all-star team and second team All-NBA. Pretty damn good. That was peak Vince. Yeah. Okay. Peak Chris Bosh, 2010, 24 points per game, 11 rebounds, two assists. You know, I wasn't passing much in that one. 52% shooting from the field. Uh, super money from mid-range. Raptors won 40 games. He made all-star. Actually, didn't make all-NBA in the season. And yeah, then he, funnily he, enough, he made it 06-07. Right, right. So you can argue that that was a slightly better season, but this one just statistically, 24-11-2 and two, and 52% shooting, pretty damn good. Yeah. Kyle Lowry, undisputed for me, 2016 season, 22 points per game, five rebounds, seven assists, 43% shooting from the field, obviously knocked down a ton of threes. Raptors won 56 games, which was a franchise record at the time. Kyle Lowry made the all-star team, started the all-star game, uh, was third of the... Third-team All-NBA that season. Tremendous year from Kyle Lowry. Peak DeMar DeRozan, in my opinion, for the Raptors at least, was 2017. 27 points per game, five rebounds, four assists, 47% shooting. Raptors won 53 games that season. DeMar makes the All-Star uh, game, and he's third-team All-NBA. And then, of course, this is probably the most undisputed best season in Raptors franchise history. Everyone knows what I'm talking about here. But 2019, Kawhi Leonard, 27 points per game, seven rebounds, three assists because he didn't pass. 47, 49% shooting from the field. Uh, Raptors won 58 games uh, and obviously won the championship. He won finals MVP. Uh, Kawhi was named all-star that year and second team all-NBA. So when you look at that list, and obviously we don't know how the rest of the season goes for Pascal. He's got to maintain this for the rest of the year. We'll see if the Raptors make the playoffs. We'll see what they do in the playoffs. We'll see what his... Uh, I'm just going to assume Pascal is going to make all-star because people have eyes. Yeah. And I'm going to assume he makes all-NBA because people have eyes. But this list, when you're thinking about that list and Pascal giving you 26, 9, and 7 right now on 49% shooting, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he he's up there with those seasons. Uh, I think when you have those caliber seasons, the general separator that people go to is how many games the team won. Yep, I agree. And that's where he needs some help right now because <laughs> he's doing all he can. Yeah. I, I think if you were to just look at the film and say, hey, what is this level of Pascal versus, you know, that 16 version of Lowry versus that version of DeMar or Vince? I think that becomes a very interesting conversation because he's doing it all, mm. right? Like, I think impact-wise... Again, you, you talk about that third quarter. It's a stretch where the Knicks kind of take command. They take a two-point lead. And Pascal single-handedly punches back and gives the team a seven-point lead yep. to go into the fourth. Like, that's big-time impact, right? And so if you're watching the film, you can recognize that Pascal is truly an elite player. This is not, like, just, you know, someone putting up big numbers on a bad team. But you, you, and, I've never seen a more ethical 50 ball in my life because it wasn't <laughs> like a guy hit 10 threes. Yeah. Right. Which is not to say that when Fred hit the franchise record 54 <laughs> with 11 threes, that that was just lucky. Of course, it takes a ton of skill to do that. But this wasn't a guy got hot. This was a guy cooked the team for the whole game <laughs> and finished with 52. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I, I think he's been absolutely sensational. I think, uh, 
defenses don't have answers to him, right? I think that is the big separating factor if you were to maybe compare him to, say, you know, his own, like, 2019-20 season. Um, that ability to consistently hit from the mid-range um, and then to completely just eviscerate everything in the paint. Like, yeah, he's at... Man. Within three feet of the basket, he's at 77, 78% this season. Damn. Like, his career best before this was about 71, mm. which was already really high. Mm. <laughs> and to be close to 80% now? It doesn't make any sense, man. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so, uh, I think that mid-range where, you know, last last season he was at about 50% from that 3 to 10 range. This season it's a bit down at 47. Um, but... That's still a healthy number. Outside of that, the 10 to 16, uh, he, he's up at about 45%. That's a healthy number. If he can maintain that, then defenses are really left with nothing. Because he's knocking down the three ball often enough too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like when Randall was dropping back, again, why would anybody drop back <laughs> against Pascal? But he's knocking all these shots down. And and yeah, man, I, I think it's... It's that and the playmaking as well because he's generating so many of these advantages. Yeah. And that's why when I'm looking at it, it's better than the best season Chris Bosh ever gave the Toronto Raptors for me. Yeah. Pascal Siam is already ahead of Chris Bosh for me on, yeah. the, on the franchise list. That might be slightly controversial. That. that man won a title for us. Um, it's probably better than the best season DeMar DeRozan has had for the Toronto Raptors before. Yes. But, I mean, because you have to factor both sides of the ball. Yes, I agree. And again, DeMar didn't play make to this level that Pascal's at right now with the Toronto Raptors, say, for 2018. I still don't know if it's better than Vince. I, I don't think any season's going to touch that Kawhi one because he finished it off. Or Kyle. But the fact that he's having this type of season, don't waste it. Bobby Webster, Masai Ujiri, don't waste this, please. Okay, you, you hear the numbers. 26, 9, 7, 49% shooting, 52 in the garden. Raptors finally win again. Big V back in the studio again because the All-Star or because the, the World Cup is over. Appreciate you. Good times, man. Great to be back. Yeah, man. All right. That does it for us today. I've been your host, Walu. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe. Please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel, airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. However, we will be off air for the next week as we are going away for the holidays. So um, thanks again for... Vivek Jacob for joining us in the studio. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, thanks to board producer Derek Brandale and Jennifer Rolnick for helping us with the YouTube stream. And uh, we'll be back to talk to you soon.